0: This is Shep Hyken, author of The Convenience Revolution, how to deliver a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. And you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host,
1: Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash MarketingBookPodcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, and if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash MarketingBookPodcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now, on with the show. Today we welcome Shep Hyken to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his newest book, The Convenience Revolution, How to Deliver a Customer Service Experience that Disrupts the Competition and Creates Fierce Loyalty, published by Sound Wisdom. Shep Hyken is a customer service and experience expert and the Chief Amazement Officer at Shepherd Presentations. He's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author and has been inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. Shep works with companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. His articles have been read in hundreds of publications and he's the author of Moments of Magic the loyal customer, the cult of the customer, the amazement revolution, and amaze every customer every time. He's also the creator of the Customer Focus, which is a customer service training program that helps clients develop a customer service culture and loyalty mindset. And, interesting fact, Shep Hyken is a rock and roll guitarist and plays hockey two to three times per week. Shep, congratulations on the convenience (laughs) revolution, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I played hockey this morning, and I practiced my guitar last night. So uh, everything you said is 100% actual and factual.
1: All right, well, let's rock it. I'm ready. So I recently interviewed a fellow you probably know named Bob Berg, author of the Go-Giver books, and he was just recently inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame with two others. I was there. You were, and there were even two other authors who were inducted with him, uh, Scott Stratton and and Jay Bear. and the more I learn about that organization and the Hall of Fame... Uh, the more impressed I am. And I, now I really boned up on my hall of fame info. You were inducted in 2008, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I was. And I'll tell you, what was cool is that I was backstage for most of that program. And Jay and Scott and Bob are all good friends. Jay and Scott and I were together last week, hanging out here in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live. And the, uh, And Bob, gosh, I love Bob. Bob and I have been on boards together. He's just an awesome, awesome dude. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that I'm affiliated with them and we're in the Hall of Fame together.
1: That's terrific. That's really very impressive. I even watched a few of the uh, acceptance speeches (laughs) just to show you. Did
0: you see the mid, the uh, halfway through entertainment? Here's another tidbit I didn't share with you. You got the music thing. You got the hockey thing. Did you get the magic thing? No. No. So I used to work in nightclubs and uh, hotels and comedy clubs back when I was in high school and college. And where my magic career started was doing birthday party magic shows. So I got a call from the guy who's in charge of the CPA event, the the Hall of Fame event. And he said, look, uh, and by the way, the cool thing is, is anybody that's on stage that night, the introducers, the entertainment, they're all uh, Hall of Fame members. So he said, Shep, Uh, We're doing a thing like to showcase the roots of where you really came from. And I said, great, I'm going to do the first magic trick I ever bought and performed. It was a card trick, but I'm going to do it with jumbo-sized cards, and then I'll I'll entertain. So I was the halftime entertainment.
1: (laughs) Oh, terrific. That's that's great. That really is. So Shep, tell us the story of how this book uh, came to be.
0: Sure. You know, everything I do is about customer service and experience. So I started my business really quite a while ago, 35 years ago, 1983. And it was always speeches on customer service eventually turning into customer experience. And by the way, at some point in time, they started, they, whoever they are, the people
1: (laughs) who are (laughs) in business. We talk about them all the time, but we don't really know who they are. My mom
0: says, they, the people who clean the streets? I go, yeah, them. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But anyway, people were starting to refer to customer service as customer experience. So everything that touches the customer is about creating a positive experience, whether it be direct people-to-people contact, people on the web. They open up a box and wow, here's my whatever I ordered. Anyway, so I've been talking about that for years. And I started looking at some of the ways companies are just separating themselves from the competition. And I said, you know what these companies are doing differently? They're more convenient than some of the others. I mean, the, the hours are longer, perhaps they deliver something where other companies don't, which is why I do business with them. And then I started thinking, nobody's ever written a book about Convenience. Now, The Effortless ex, uh, Experience, which I love that book, uh, and I just got to hang with Matt Dixon, one of the authors of that just recently. That is a great book, but that's not really about creating convenience and using that as a value proposition to separate yourself and disrupt the competition. But uh, So I looked around. I felt uh, this may be the only book written about it, and it's really a way to take customer service and experience to the next level because all things given today, service is table stakes. If you don't deliver it, your customers are going somewhere else. And if you do deliver it and your competitor delivers it, the way to separate yourself is just to be easier to do business with. But you've got to prove it to them and it's got to be obvious. And that's what this book is about.
1: Well, let's step back and talk not so much about the title of the book, but the phenomenon that, it's, that it touches on and explain what, what is this convenience revolution that has, that has already started.
0: And, and I call it the convenience revolution because it's a catchy title.
1: <laughs> right, but what I mean is, uh, let's let's give the listener a I little know. bit of context. I'm just, I'm yeah, just kidding. So, <laughs> it, really, wh- where it
0: starts is to recognize that you know you can go all the way back to ancient times. Justinian the Great, the Byzantine Empire, I- empire, and in five hundred something A.D. made a declaration in the Justinian Code that at every major intersection, you realize back in that day, intersections were like. Horse-drawn carriages, and you know, uh, <laughs> I don't. I think it was beyond gladiator times, but I just have this vision of of like a horse-drawn carriage pulling up in front of a Seven Eleven, except there weren't Seven 7-Elevens back in five hundred some odd A.D. Anyway he made the decree that there would be a store selling the necessities of life for the convenience of the citizens. And that's as far back as I could find the word convenience being used in a business sense. And then back in the 1920s, company down in Dallas, Texas, Southland Corporation, uh, they own 21 ice stores. They used to sell blocks of ice that you would put into refrigerators. And Uncle Johnny, one of the employees, that's what they called him, put milk and bread and something on top of one of the blocks of ice one day, and people said, is that for sale? And he thought about it, and he said, yeah. And all of a sudden, they started selling what you would consider convenience store items, and they started to expand. Today, there are, I believe, about 65,000 Location. Southland Corporation is 7-Eleven, and uh, worldwide. And of course, there's many other convenience stores. So, people love convenience, and they're willing to pay for it because if you go into a typical convenience store. Selection is smaller than a grocery store. If you're run, wanting to get a carton of milk or some eggs or some snacks, you don't have to go to the big grocery store. Stop in the smaller convenience store. Guess what? Prices aren't necessarily the most competitive. They're usually a little bit higher, but people are willing to pay for convenience. I also use the example of that mini bar in your hotel room that sells cans of Coca Cola for four to five times what they are in the soda machine that's just down the hall. But every morning, hotel employees are restocking the mini bar with five dollar cans of coca-cola by the way no slam against Coke I love Coke and I know that's what they have in the in the mini fridge so that's why I, I'm very well versed on the prices of coca-cola but
1: <laughs> well and you know it's it's amazing what that people will pay extra in order not to have to put their pants on maybe I'm just no that's exactly from right I mean that's there. a
0: great visual that's I, I can't now unsee that <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I, I get what you're talking about <laughs>
1: So we're talking about convenience and maybe people are thinking, you know, convenience stores, but I mean, does convenience apply to every business? I mean, there's a lot of B2B marketers and and other kinds of people listening in.
0: Every business. And by the way, Let's talk about that price thing. While people are willing to pay more, sometimes the value prop of convenience is just part of the experience and the prices are extremely competitive, if not even lower in some in some cases. Uh, let's take a look real quick at Amazon, who started out selling books at a lower price and a more convenient way of doing so, because customers would go on the website 24-7 and the books would be delivered. They never had to leave their home to make that happen. And their you know, price was a sensitive issue. Today, Amazon is a good price, but they even offer on their site this could be bought from another vendor at a lower price. As far as manufacturers go, a B2B, even government, the idea of making a more convenient experience happen. Is, it could be in the DNA of every company. It doesn't matter what industry, who they sell to, and even internally from employee to employee, and even an individual, somebody that is doing business with somebody else, they can be more convenient than another person, not just another company.
1: Mm-hmm. And it seems like you could go off and hire a consulting firm or research company, but I was wondering if you could explain, which may be a surprise to some folks, what, what, the, what is the best way to find out... How to be more convenient? They should buy the book. Is that a setup? (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. I see what (laughs) you did there. They should. Oh,
0: I see what you did.
1: Well played, good (laughs) sir.
0: (laughs) So, www.beconvenient.com. And you'll be happy that you go there because if you're listening to this before the book actually comes out in October, then you will get the ebook at no charge immediately. So you buy it early, you will get the book delivered to you when it actually comes out, but you get the ebook immediately. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I think I'm gonna go buy another one right now.
1: Now, this may upset you, Shep, but I wanna give away the secret of how companies can become more convenient. And in the book, You said the best way to find out how to be more convenient is to talk to your customers. Imagine that. (laughs) Yes.
0: Talk quietly. No, talk to your customers. Ask them. And here's, you know, did you like the experience? What do you think of our customer service? This is the question I want you to ask. I call it the one thing question. What's the one thing you can think of that would make doing business with us better? But if you want to change it and get a more specific answer, and by the way, you're going to get all kinds of answers from I wish you offered it in, you know, a package of six instead of four, uh, I, you know, all kinds of it. But if you want to get really specific is there one thing you can think of that would make doing business with us easier? Mm-hmm. And then easier, Well, will so, well, gosh, what might make it easier? Well, how about payment terms? Would it be nice if you allowed us to pay with credit card or check? Or could we, you know, do an automatic deposit? I mean, there's a hundred different ways that we can be more convenient. I wish you would, uh, would deliver it to my home and actually drop it off inside You know, the door of my apartment building, not leave it outside on the porch for the whole world to get to. You know, little things like that. Yeah, there's so many different ways to be convenient.
1: And it's some for some reason companies are reluctant to want to talk to their (laughs) customers, but that seems to unlock so so many great insights for uh, sales, marketing, operations. But also, if like you said, if you just say, "Is there anything that?" That would make it any easier to do business with us, it seems like I like that because it's more specific and saying of saying, "What are we terrible at <laughs> or or some of these broader questions that you that you get in there so that it just it's just amazes me that it's uh sometimes one of the last things companies do is they'll get wrapped up internally and they don't think to go out and just just ask their customers and not only that it's I think it's customers are amazed when they're asked that question because they're so rarely. Asked, You know, and it's a shame
0: that companies don't go to their customers and ask for more feedback. The ones that do, uh, sometimes they do it right. And when they do it right, they get tremendous data, tremendous opportunity to fix problems, to make things better, and to even make a great experience even greater. And by the way, if you ask this one thing question, make it easier, ask all your customers, but you want to really pay attention to the ones that already love you. Because the ones that already love you are really going to think about the right answer to give you.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. One other thing about the question is, I think a lot of companies are amazed that when they do set up a program and they ask this question, they try to get this feedback, they actually start getting more business. (laughs) How -hmm. many times have you called up a client and said, hey, uh," you know, asked some sort of question, tried to get some feedback and they go, you know, everything's great. There's a couple things that, you know, if you guys could work on that, be great. But also we've got another big project coming up. I'm glad you called. (laughs) Whoa. So uh, that that happens too. So Yeah, it's a perfect
0: segue. I mean, when you're talking to people, being able to, uh, you know, customers and, and that you really get involved with them, you know, hey, we got another project. That's great. It allows you to communicate, and it opens the doors for more opportunity.
1: Mm -hmm. So the backbone of the book is the six principles of the convenience revolution. Yes, and when you present them, and then you have several examples. It's I I had never threaded them all together the way you did, and that was uh, really helpful. And I want to ask you to perhaps give an overview of of what the six principles are, and then, time permitting, let's, let's dig into a few. Sure. And, and let me just share
0: how the book is structured. There's a little bit of background on the book that makes the case. And then we take a look at one case study that really incorporates all six of the convenience principles. And if I were to ask you, what's the most convenient business that you've bought from, that you've done business, the most convenient company on the planet, what would you say it would be? Who would you say it would be?
1: Well, if even though I've read the book, I know the answer, but I think a lot of people would say Amazon
0: they do and and it's like yeah they are so convenient why well, number one, they're easy to do business with, uh, They're so that's the friction part of it. They deliver, they are innovative, and they have incredible technology. I, I love the little button that's called the dash. Depending upon you know what items you use a lot in your home, you just put this little dash button like on the side of your washing machine, and when you run low on detergent, you just push the button, and it confirms with a quick little text or email message that you want to order it, and boom, it's there the next day or two days later. It's an amazing technology and they just make it so easy. They're available 24-7 at customer support as well as their websites always open. I mean, how many more ways can it be convenient? And I could, I could actually tell you there are many, many more ways that are in the book, but that's where it starts with a major case study of a company we all recognize and most of us have done business with even around the world. Most of us have, but the six principles to start with number one is reducing friction. And that is really something that every one of the principles does, but some companies make it, the, you know, they make that their entire value proposition. Let's just be amazing and easy to do business with. The second one is self-service. But it's not just like self-service customer service. When I share with you the example from that, you go, oh yeah, I get it. Uh, Number three is technology. Some companies have really embraced technology and created a better and easier way to do business. Subscription. It's amazing to me. Most people think of subscription as a magazine or a newspaper, but some of the companies that have come up with a subscription model that creates revenue ongoing every month or every year, I mean, they're nailing it. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Delivery. You know who delivers to you, and finally, number six is access, which has to do with you know uh, location. Is it accessible? Maybe a communication? Are they easy to get to? Twenty four seven, and you know location and accessibility. And there's a third one in there which I'll come up with in just a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Well, let's go back to that first one about reducing friction. And you know, it's not that I didn't love all all six points, but reducing friction is the one that really resonated with me the most. To the point that I'm going to be buying a handful of those three-ounce cans of WD-40. And -hmm. I'm going to be putting a can on everyone's desk in my office (laughs) to remind them what is it that we can be doing to help reduce friction for our customers. You just
0: gave me a great idea. I'm going to buy little mini cans of WD-40 and pass them out to
1: everybody. Get the three-ounce. Because I found I went online... You know, when you're the host of the marketing book podcast ship, you have to, you know, you figure these things out. And I thought, okay, the three ouncer, it's gonna make a nice little decoration, but it's also a symbol of as we go through what are we doing internally that we could put could be reducing friction for one another, but also more importantly, how can we continue to reduce friction for our customers and how can we think about how our customers can be reducing friction for their customers. So let's look at the quote, page 39, from Shayla Price. And it is, friction is the enemy of customer experience. Amen. It frustrates the customer, annoys your team, and stops business growth. And if friction remains within the buyer's journey, it can stop future sales. So Shep, describe what's a typical friction point?
0: I think one of the best ways to describe it is to use one of the case studies, mm-hmm. okay, because there's a company, and obviously Amazon is is the one we've already talked about, but let's talk about specifically the friction point. Well, and there's a number of points. Uber figured out how to reduce friction when it comes to public transportation, specifically taxi cabs, and they they really totally disrupted the industry. So here's what they realized. Think about it. If you had to call for a taxi cab, let's say you don't live downtown New York where cabs are driving by every single day, everywhere you go, you've got to call the cab company. Got to go find the number, look it up, call the cab company. They'll say it'll be there in 15 minutes. 20 minutes later, you call back the cab company. Where's my cab? And they go, oh, it's on its way. You know, and you may have to do that again, but finally shows up. Where do you want to go? They don't know. You have to tell them. And they may or may not know where it is. They may put it in their, you know, GPS, whatever. And then when you finally get there, you have to reach in your pocket, pull out money and pay them or pull out a credit card. What Uber did is they said, hey, let's make this easy. We have an app. You open up the app. You can see where all our drivers are and how far away they are. Then you type in the address where you're going, which is really important because now you don't have to tell the driver when you get in the car. And as soon as the driver starts the trip, the map and the directions come up. So even if the driver doesn't know, they don't have to start looking it up and doing it all themselves. But you get to see as that driver approaches you how far away they are, when they're going to arrive, et cetera, et cetera. You get in the cab or excuse me, you get in the car. The driver knows who you are, knows where you're going. You get there and you don't have to pay them at that moment anyway. You don't have to reach in your pocket. You just get out, which is one of the greatest Ease of friction points ever. Just get out and go. And uh, I think that's a great way. They disrupted an entire industry. Now there's competitors like Lyft and and others that are getting into this business and making good inroads there. But they figured it out. So there is an example of reducing friction and specific friction points that people who've taken a cab no longer have to deal with.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Reed Hastings, the Netflix co-founder. He had to pay a $40 fine to Blockbuster for an Apollo 13 rental he had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was some friction point where he just thought, boy, uh, there's got to be a better way to do this.
0: And isn't it ironic that Netflix is the major case study? By the way, I have five case studies for each one of these. Big companies, small companies. It, it, it could be a solo entrepreneur or one of the largest companies in the world. But Netflix is the major case study for the subscription model. And specifically, I talk about no late fees. That was a big friction point. Going to pick it up and dropping it off. Another couple of friction points. Mm-hmm. So let's make it easy. Just pay us a monthly fee and tell us what you want to watch. And at the time, they would deliver through the mail CDs with return Package, postage, paid, everything. So it was just as easy and frictionless as possible. You know what? Today, even though they're primarily a streaming, you know, they stream all their programming, they still – I can't remember what the number is. It's in the book.
1: Oh, I think it was like 4 million people still get the disks. Right. They still get the disks because they don't have the bandwidth
0: in their internet wherever they live to be able to get the real thing. So they're still taking care of. The customers, I love that about Netflix.
1: Yeah, I had not, I had not known about that. But Shep, what do you say to folks who might be listening and say, "We, we don't have any friction points." I'm, I'm, pretty sure we're, we we do not have any in our company. I don't, I don't think we need to think about this. Oh,
0: good. I love them. Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what all the retailers said before Amazon came along. That's what all the taxi cab companies thought before Uber came along. So here's what I would do. I would take out a, a, a piece of paper. And plot out all of the major touch points that your customer has with you and say, okay, if I'm going to a typical experience, by the way, some companies have five or 10 different types of experiences, but the typical experience, where do they interact with any aspect of our company and where do they touch our products? Uh, even if we don't interact with a person, they still may touch the product. I mean, maybe i I sell something online, it ships out, and by the way, they interact with my website at that point. So to me, a website is great technology, but it was designed by people to be used by people, so even though it's not interacting with people, it's it's the you know it's right in the middle there. So uh, I would say plot all those out and then take a look at it where Are we making, is this as easy as it could be for the customer? Where do we have opportunity to reduce friction? Where do we have opportunity to just even make the experience even better? Give you an easy example. You know, I'm going to call a company and rather than somebody pick up the phone, I get the automated voice attendant. And I've got to listen to push one for this and two for this and eventually push 38 for this and 39. And I'm almost asleep before it's all over with. But I finally wait and I finally push it. And guess what happens? I go into somebody's voicemail and I've wasted like, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but I am wasting time. It's friction. Why can't somebody pick up the phone or why can't there be a better system? You know, when you when you call and I love it when you call, I, I call American Airlines. And it might be in the middle of a snowstorm, and they'll say, hey, it's, there's, a, there's a snowstorm, and we can't answer the call right away. Three choices. Number one, you can wait, and it's going to be 35 minutes. Number two, we can call you back in 35 minutes, just touch in your phone number. Number three, if you're not available to talk in 35 minutes, tell us when you are, and not only put in your phone number, but touch tone in your the time you want us to call you back, we'll call you then. And that's pretty good.
1: And then right? they actually do it?
0: They do, and and that's a great way to reduce friction.
1: Mm, Yeah. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. (laughs) Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you, and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success, and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling non-fiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Anne Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked go to blinkist.com slash marketing book podcast and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the marketing book podcast and that you want that discount you'll get the free version or 20 percent off your annual plan i also have a link to it at marketing dot it's a great inexpensive and very smart investment in your professional development and career and now back to the show so i just want to read one more quote which was just one of my uh one of the many amen experiences from the book. Reducing friction is more important than lowering the price. And it's more important than redesigning your product or service. It's what creates sudden, enduring marketplace dominance. It's the cornerstone of the 21st century marketplace advantage. And there was a great quote, Shep, in that book, in this section, an anonymous quote, and it said, Uber your business before it gets kodak it's kodak <laughs> oh boy great so let's let's talk about the next one self service and talk about why it's important to always have a human backup as it relates to uh, self service So, and
0: and my lead study in, in, or my lead case study is Panera Bread, but Delta Airlines, this is, I mean, when it came to self-service, this was a good example as well. Years ago, a buddy of mine, he calls me up. He says, you're not going to believe it. I had the best experience on Delta Airlines. I, I got all the way to the airplane. I didn't have to deal with one of the employees. And I thought, you don't like the employees? And I thought he was kind of, you know, doing a slam toward the good people at Delta. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. I love Delta employees, but they created this new system. I can buy the ticket online. I can check it online. This was 20 years ago, by the way, and, uh, it was really cool and it works and it's easy. Ah, that word easy, a self-service solution and This person knows that if there's a problem, they can go to the ticket counter, they can pick up the phone and call the 1-800 number for Delta Airlines and get somebody to support them. But what I want companies to realize is with technology today, and this is self-service, we also talk about technology in the book. I don't want you to get so wrapped up with artificial intelligence and chatbots that you lose sight of the fact that there are some things customers just want to talk to companies or talk to people about within your company. And if there's a problem when people need you most, that's the time there has to be human backup. Otherwise, you lose connection at one of the most important points and interactions that the customer has, which is I need help Where is somebody? So don't get caught up in the technology of self-service without the human support to back it up in case it's needed. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the the next one is using technology, but it's not for the sake of technology. And can you explain what, what you mean by the notion of you've got to make your technology easy to own?
0: So I use PayPal as the example, the lead case study for this. And I remember owning PayPal. When I say own, I own the experience. The first time I used PayPal, what a great technology. The ability to transfer money from my bank account to yours, you know, super fast. Today, if I have your email address and you're in the PayPal system, I can transfer money to you for as long as it takes. I mean, if my internet connection's fast, literally 20, 30, 40 seconds at the most, it's fast. You know, don't have to go to the bank. Don't have to write a check. Don't have to put it in an envelope. Don't have to address it. Don't have to put a stamp on it. Don't have to go to the post office or stop off at a post box. This is ease and convenience at its highest. But the technology, uh, I've now lost track of what your original question was. See that
1: squirrel? It came by. It distracted (laughs) me. No, we were talking about the technology. But first, let me say, uh, Shep, if you do need my email address to send me money, there um, you go. I think we, I think we can <laughs> arrange that. But you're talking about th- there's situations where a company falls in love with some sort of technology, and it's difficult. It just doesn't get like adopted. It doesn't get used. Uh, oh, you asked me about owning it. Yeah. So the first time I used PayPal, I
0: had to set it up. Same as with Amazon, same with any, any place that you're going to be doing business with again and again, you have to set up your account. You have to put, oh, this was scary. I had to put my bank account information in there. What if I do it wrong? I don't want to push the wrong button and then clear out my entire bank account. I mean, there is definitely a little, you know, a little fear base going into giving people this kind of information. Anyway, once I did, I remember the first time I did my first transaction probably took after setting up the account, probably eight minutes, 10 minutes. And then the second one took like four minutes. The third one took like one minute. And then I owned it. This was easy. I know where to go and I know exactly what what buttons to click. And by the way, when they do an upgrade and they change their their website a little bit, all I got to do, I mean, I'm looking for the same words. They're there. I just have to learn my way around a little bit. Again, by the way, that's a friction point. If you're going to change your website make the changes so that they're obvious to the customers and they can go to the places they've always went. Oh, I can't find where I used to click. But anyway, I digress. So that's what I mean by owning it. And the technology, sometimes you have to train your customers to use the technology. So uh, think about, let's go back to Delta Airlines. All of the airlines, when they started using the online purchase your ticket and check in, they would offer incentives. American Airlines, which is the airline that I typically use here in St. Louis, they would give us $25 off if we bought the ticket online. If I checked in online, they would give me 500 extra miles. Well, that's incentive enough for me to try it, and once I try it and realize how easy it is, Two or three times later, once again, I own it. The I own the experience. I know how to do it. It's easy.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think if uh, companies, when they are introducing some technology or some revision, if they would just ask themselves, is this going to be ownable? Are people going to own this or are they going to reject it? And again, going back and talking to the customers <laughs> and even testing it out could make a big difference. But let's go on to the next one, subscription. And Shep Hyken, I want to take this opportunity to ask you, to remind the listener why repeat purchases are the holy grail of all marketing and sales efforts.
0: Well, I mean, obviously you want a repeat customer, but there's one way to ensure you're going to get a repeat customer, and that is to create a subscription model where they pay you ongoing and they receive from you ongoing. So let me put it in the simplest terms. A repeat customer might go into the hardware store every six months to buy filters for their air conditioner or their furnace. And that's great that they come in the store. Maybe that's all they buy. Wouldn't it be more convenient if I said to that customer and I own the hardware store, hey, why don't you give us your credit card? We'll set you up so every six months we automatically send you your filters. Oh, that's a great idea. And once they're used to it and you're in the system, and as long as you stay somewhat competitively priced, they're not going to leave you. They're going to stay with you. So it really is potentially the holy grail of of repeat customers.
1: Have you spoken to companies where they initially think, well, there's no way we could offer a subscription form of our, our product or service? What, I guess what, what do you say there? I, and I guess let me just add to that. I think a lot of people are subscribing to things and they don't even realize it.
0: Yeah, they don't even know that it's, it's a, because people think of the subscription model is a newspaper or a magazine. And really, it's a way of saying, do our customers buy the same thing from us over and over again? And if they do, why don't we just set it up to be automatic? Think about what the Dollar Shave Club did. I love that company. I'm a member of the Dollar Shave Club. People say, are you a member of a club? Yes, I am. I
1: I also was accepted into membership there. It's like the only club I've been able to join.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) yes, I'm a member of a club, the dollar shave club. So every month I get blades from them and it's a great, you know, great program. And just the other day I got my email, your blades are getting ready to ship. Do you need any shaving cream or oil or anything like that that you would use? And so guess what? Every once in a while I'll add to my little box, but it's automatic and it's, Guaranteed to the, fa- the fact that I've paid the money, it shows up. There's nothing else I have to do but sit back and and use their product because I don't have to think about it anymore. So, I will add that you asked, you know, what company or, or can companies like, how can they not see themselves as a subscription model? There's a great book that talks specifically about that and it shows how all these different types of businesses, all these different business models can incorporate a subscription. But here's the idea there's six strategies in here. And I think that many companies could use all six, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to. Maybe you just choose the one that's right for you. Maybe it's delivery. Maybe it's access. Mm
1: -hmm. Or maybe,
0: you know, maybe it is a subscription model. But what is it that your customers are buying from you over and over again that you can automate into a subscription service?
1: Mm -hmm. And even if they, they could just pick one to get started. Uh, and not feel like they have to find something for all six, because there may be folks out there that are thinking, "Well, you know, delivery doesn't really make sense for us." That, that's that's fine. But let me let me flip it on its head. When does it not make sense for well, companies to, right. to offer more convenience?
0: And there's a chapter in there that specifically talks about it not making sense. By the way, if even if you don't deliver and people come in. Why don't you, a restaurant could say, hey, we're going to set you up for um, our, our special membership. And I know I'm getting back to subscription model, but think about this. You pay me X number of dollars a year or X number of dollars a month, and you get to come in once a month for the special meal. You can have that special meal anytime you want. It's an appetizer, dinner, entree, you know, whatever, with a, a certain, whatever, all the, the great things you want to include. And guess what? People say, wow, that's a great value. I think I'll do that. Now you've got reoccurring revenue coming in, and ideally you've got your customers coming in over and over again. But anyway, I I digress. So, why wouldn't somebody want to create convenience? I think the biggest issue is does it need to be convenient? Do you need to invest the time, the money, and the effort? And I'm going to give you an example that is kind of outside of the convenience model, but I think it'll make perfect sense. I'll use Walmart as an example for this. So years ago, I read, not that many years ago, several years ago, I read Harvard Business Review. By the way, I love just saying, yeah, I read Harvard Business Review. It kind of makes me sound smarter.
1: And it makes me (laughs) sound smarter just by talking to you.
0: There you go. (laughs) It's working for all of us. (laughs) In HBR, as we call it. They had an article about how Walmart was listening to their customers, and they were hearing that we wish some of the stores had a little wider aisle, better lighting. Uh, These were the ideas that customers were sharing for improvement. And so they spent an awful lot of money creating this store. By the way, Walmart's smart. They didn't do it every store. They only created a couple of concept stores to see how the customer would react. And guess what? The customers loved it. They great accolades and the feedback was excellent. But you want to know what didn't change? Sales. Sales stayed the same, just the customer is happier. So I think there is a point where you can go... And by the way, I still urge you, take a look. Just because your competition doesn't do it doesn't mean it's okay for you not to do it. If there is a way to be more convenient and more customer-focused, seize it as the opportunity because eventually a competitor is going to come along and they are going to do it before you do if you're not thinking about it. But there will be a point in time where maybe it doesn't make sense to spend the money and the effort because the payback isn't, isn't worth it. And I caution all companies to think about any investment they make in anything they do is their value for both the customer and the company. Because if it's all for the customer and the company's going to go bankrupt because they, they deliver this great, I'll give you a great example. The gentleman, M- Mitch Lowe, I think his first name's Mitch. He is the, uh, one of the founding executives at Netflix. And now he's doing a company called movie pass. Are you
1: familiar with this? Yes. Yes. So this is, this is not in the book, by the way. And, and they've recently uh, increased their price a bit. They had to. But we should explain what it is because I think a lot of people may not be familiar with
0: it. So Movie Pass is this extremely low price, like $10 a month. Okay. Once again, a subscription model. And for $10, you get to go to as many movies throughout the month as you want at your local movie theaters. $10 is less than the cost of one ticket. Now, think about that. Now, there's lots of things going in behind the scenes to this business model that makes you think maybe they can make it work. But there is a point in time that you got to say, wow, they're losing money on every sale, but they make it up in volume. (laughs) No, it doesn't work that way. But I think it's a great concept. And there is a look. Well, look what Uber did for the longest time. Uber was the lowest price provider. They beat the taxicab. Well, now, if you live in New York or any major city, it's pretty close to the same. So why do you use Uber anyway? Because it is more convenient. So, and by the way, in some cases, when Uber decides to do their, you know, they one and a half times during peak or two times the fees during peak times, they're no longer the the, the least expensive, they're still the most convenient though, which means you're still going to get some of that business. So anyway, there are times where you have to really examine where you are and if this is really the right decision. So I talk about not in the book, but in general being customer focused and the, what the customer focused mindset is, is that everything you do keeps the customer in mind. It doesn't mean you have to do every idea and it doesn't mean every idea has to be good for the customer, but it is always keeping the customer in mind when you make decisions. You may make a decision to raise prices that's not going to make your customer happy, but you have to do it to stay in business to be able to pay for whatever. And it's that simple. So keep the customer in mind and understand every decision you make has that customer's – you know, what their experience is going to be in mind.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Shep, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I hope that they would get a mindset that what can
0: I do to just be easier to do business with? If nothing else, think of the concept of reducing friction. Companies and people want to do business with other companies and people that are easy to work with, convenient to work with, that uh, are efficient, that they're accessible, that ultimately are frictionless.
1: Agreed. And I think that uh, so many, after reading this, there are so many ways you could be easier to do business with. And there's no need to fear that. I think there's a lot of fear that people have that they, they ask the question, they're going to think, oh, no, I'm going to lose the customer. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's a really, really rather counterintuitive. It'll actually strengthen the bond you have. And I, I wanted to mention this one quote, other quote you have from Jeff Bezos, which I think is really one of my favorites, because it has a lot to do with marketing, and it has a lot to do with the principles you've outlined here. And it has to do with being a good company and, and running things well. That that experience is a big part of your marketing. So he said, in the old world, you devoted 30% of your time to building a great service and 70% of your time to shouting about it. In the new world, that inverts. So it, it also reminds me of, you know, stop trying to put lipstick on a pig. Just improve your product, your service, right. and you'll build some some loyal customers.
0: And you want to know what else? One of the reasons you don't have to shout about it as much is if you do it right, your customers will shout about it for you.
1: And it makes it twice as more compelling Mm -hmm. to hear from somebody else. So, Shep, what books have inspired your work and career?
0: Wow. Great question. So, there is a – my favorite business book is called The Experience Economy by Joe Pine and Jim Gilmore. Mm Mm-hmm book that's probably about 20 years old. And it's just, I still think it's the Bible. You know, it talks about Starbucks and uses Starbucks as the, and by the way, this was, Starbucks was popular then, but not obviously near, nearly as popular as it is today but they recognize what Starbucks was selling when a $5 cup of coffee or a $4 cup of coffee was not just a cup of coffee. It was the whole experience. And I think that impacted me quite a bit. I mean, there's a number of books that have done that, but that's probably my favorite book. Another favorite book is called Moments of Truth by Jan Carlson, published in the 80s. Uh, I actually read an article by Jan Carlson in early 1980, which was really about you know what the book book was all about and, and it's about how every moment that the customer interacts with you, every interaction is an opportunity for that customer to form an impression. So we got to look at every one of these interaction points and it can go one of, I say three ways. He said it could be good and bad. I say the third way is it could be average or mediocre. So I have the moment of misery, which are the bad ones, the moments of mediocrity, which are uh, the average ones, and then there's the moments of magic, which are the positive ones, which are above-average experiences, and companies that can string these above-average experiences together, even if they're just a tiny bit above average, if they're consistent, they are the amazing companies.
1: Amen. So are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Uh, the Convenience Revolution. <laughs> so, see, I don't, is it, was that a setup, or do you want me to really
0: tell you <laughs> some other books that I'm kind of excited about?
1: I think the listener may be familiar with that one by now, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. But, I mean, you're, you're in the world of uh, right. professional speakers and authors, and uh, yeah. you know about these things before a lot of people do. So, let me tell you what's coming out in
0: October, and tell you, well, first I'll tell you a couple of books I've read this year. Growth IQ by Tiffany Bova phenomenal book. It's a more of a general business book. There's some in there, something in there about convenience or not so much convenience, but experience, but it's really an excellent book. She's an amazingly smart person who's currently, I guess, her she's an evangelist for Salesforce. She works for Salesforce, small little company, uh, but they <laughs> yeah. know a little bit about business. Another book I read this year, which is probably one of my favorite books of the year, is Joey Coleman's book, Never Lose a Customer Again.
1: Oh, yes. I interviewed him on the podcast, and that was a tremendous interview. And that book, I've already given that book to some clients. It's,
0: yeah, it, it's really a, a, one of the best. Uh, books coming up. On the same day my book releases is my buddy Jay Bear's book called Talk Triggers. Mm. And it's like, what are you doing to trigger people to talk about you? And obviously that ties back to the experience and being easy to do business with and just being amazing, but love Jay Bear's work. He's a close friend. And we just talked about him at the beginning of the show, one of the Hall of Famers for the National Speakers Association. And another book coming up a week after that is my friend Scott McCain, who, by the way, introduced Jay. and Scott Stratton, when they both took the stage and were accepting their Hall of Fame uh, recognition. And Scott McCain's book is called Iconic which follows up on distinction, which is how you can be distinctive in what you do and stand out. And, you know, how can you be recognized as an iconic type of business? I actually refer to that as how can you be a trademark type business where people say, oh, yeah, uh, they're the Cadillac of the industry, but maybe they're not a Cadillac. Maybe they're the, uh, you know, hey, you're the podcast to listen to of the industry. You know, that could be yeah, you know, that, that makes you iconic.
1: Hmm, interesting. Well, we'll make sure to include links to all these books you've mentioned in your episode show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Chef, how best can listeners learn more about you and this newest book?
0: Sure. Well, beconvenient.com, and if you want to learn, you know, that'll take you straight to the site for the page, but that's also part of my website, which is h y k e n H-Y-K-E-N.com. So... Just go one of those places. And you know what? If you want video lessons, I, I take everything I write. I put it into video format on my YouTube channel. I think almost 600 videos now. All these short little lessons. Companies are using them for their meetings. And we go into a studio every week and we shoot videos. And you just go to Shep TV, Shep.TV.
1: Okay. Yeah, we'll make sure to include a link to that at marketingbookpodcast.com as well. And also on Twitter, Shep is at Hyken, H-Y-K-E-N. And Mm -hmm. uh, if you're on Twitter, listeners, uh, make sure to tweet at at Shep to thank him for being on the show. And I'm marketingbook on Twitter if you want to add me to the conversation. And we'll also include a link to your LinkedIn profile. And for the listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to this show on your podcast player of choice, like uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music, all these links can be found by going to this episode, on your podcast player, and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is The Convenience Revolution, How to Deliver a Customer Service Experience that Disrupts the Competition and Creates Fierce Loyalty. The author is Shep Hyken. Shep, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Hey, man, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor.
1: And that closes the book on episode 192 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, where we can chat, and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist. To support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan, visit Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. And please join us next time as we welcome Louis Godema to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Bullseye Marketing, How to Grow Your Business Faster. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.